changing of sunlight to moonlight reflections of my life oh how they fill my Scott Jones and I'm Bill Bohr and today we are going to talk a little bit about just what's going on in the world of late because there's been a lot going on yeah we we purposely did not record in the aftermath of the latest shooting of the two African-American men one in Baton Rouge one in um, it was uh, Sterling was the man's man's name in Baton Rouge Castile was a man that was shot outside St. Paul and then the uh, ambush and shooting of 12 police officers, and I think one uh, bystander was shot and five other police officers died, uh, partially because, you know, I, I feel a little bit like um, President Obama. I'm not in any way uh, presuming that I experience all this in the same way. Well, you're intelligent, you're charming, good-looking. Thank you. And, you're in the prime of your life. Yeah, right. And... Uh, the urban kids always thought I was mixed racially as well, so I took that as a high compliment. I've always said you're mixed, mixed bag. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I never, I never thought that. Yeah, much. but and, you know, it's just it's it's been too hard, too sad, and and I, you were talking about this last week. The part of the problem of this uh, age we live in with social media and the media videos and everything is this immediacy of everything is we in some ways I feel like we're artificially connected to the event. Um, but it reminds me actually of, of uh, Newman's critique of the theater because you're, you're feeling these emotions, but they're not related to reality. Now, the, 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 the fact is when we see these horrible injustices and these tragedies, they are real, but we have this kind of immediacy of wanting to do something about it. And I, I think Unfortunately, you end up having all kinds of, I don't know, pious, you know, empty piety, uh, angry statements on social media. And, you know, we're trying to do something, but uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem to me to be part of the solution. It just, to me, is part of the rancor of our current time. My critique of the theater, most of it has dissipated because the new theater in Oxford Valley has the seats that, uh, have the, uh, <laughs> have the really, you don't have to, when you, like it's when you sit next to somebody, there's so much distance in the lounge chair and things like I will never go back to sitting with the plebeian in the AMC, the other theater. I'm, I'm, I'm in the pig <laughs> forever. Uh, I see. I think I, I think you live for me to be anachronistic, you know, these, <laughs> these what I talk about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I think, yeah, I think, I don't know if we talked about this, uh, last no, time we didn't talk about it online. We talked about it just you and I personally. Yeah, I think that uh, we. I think we talked about Susan Neiman's book a little bit. Maybe we. Maybe if it wasn't in the podcast, maybe you and I just talked about it. It's one of those times, like when I called you 
at 10 o'clock on right. Friday night. You <laughs> thought it was something important. And if, for those of you who don't know Bill and I in our pick, I don't they do salutations. No, he doesn't. He doesn't answer. Um, well, he doesn't leave a message. I never leave use voicemail. I never leave voicemail. And he randomly calls me all the time. And I just say, I like Bill pick up. I'm like, you'll never guess what just happened. Yeah, it, like, it's, I don't, it's middle thought, middle sentence. Yeah, yeah it's, so. it's like my buddy who lived in West Virginia for a while. He's like, they don't say goodbye here. Like I'm playing golf with my buddy's a pastor, and at the end of the round, he just walks away. He's like, all right, waves and like, no no post game banter, no kind of. Well, that's sort of me. I I roll right into it. <laughs> but um, we were talking about. We were talking about Susan Neiman's book, which it's called uh, Evil, the History of the Concept or something to that nature. And she basically says that the Lisburn earthquake, which was the early 17th century or 16th, yeah. or 16th century. It's in the 16th. It's, was it early 16, 1608 or something? I think so. So basically yes. that this, because of the development of the printing press and ability to get literature out quickly, that... This just rocked the world philosophically, and people just kind of this massive. It was on Easter. Oh, I didn't know it was on. Yeah, Easter. It, was, it was on Easter. Yeah, which so people, many people died in church, and lots of Easter eggs broken. Mm, well, yeah. yeah. So I mean, but that added the poignancy to it. Exactly yeah, right. What so it's on Easter. This awful, and everybody learned about it, like you know, overnight because of the distribution of of literature, which was relatively new. And she said, you know, that really changed the way people thought about natural evil, about God. It changed things philosophically and theologically. And the, she bookends that with the Holocaust, the, the 20th century example, colossal example of human evil. You know, here, the Lisbon, if the Lisbon earthquake was natural evil, this is, you know, human evil and depravity. And she just talks about, like, how basically philosophy needs to get back to reckoning with evil. And she's basically, anytime we're talking about ontology and is or ought, we're talking about evil, whether or not we know it. The difference between, you know, how things are and how we think they should be. That evil is a concept that a lot of people don't like using academically or intellectually, but it's some it's something that actually is impossible to do without in, our, in most of the frames of mind we find ourselves. So I, I think that, but back to, I mean, her, I think that this is, we're experiencing the Lisburn earthquake phenomena on steroids every day. Well, yeah, and, and I think, you know, and, and President Obama in his speech in Dallas, which was, a, you know, it's it's been interesting to hear the critique of the speech. Um, as a number of people said, uh, he this was a lose-lose, I mean, because he's trying to maintain a balance that, uh, that I don't know if it's, it's hard to keep a balance in this thing, but he used the word evil. You know, he talked about evil. He says, we know it exists. He says, that's in part why we have to have police force. And... I thought it was a I thought it was a great speech, and I think did he uh, use a teleprompter? I don't know if he used a teleprompter or not, but and I thought uh, President Bush's uh, speech was a remarkably good one as well. He looked a little f- interesting at the well. People have critiqued the way he looked. He kind of he looked like the he looked like that he uh, might be back to the embracing convivial beverages of his youth. He was kind of he was bumping up and down, holding Michelle's. He's a fun guy, though. No, he is. You know, and I I think the fact is, I mean, he you could tell he was there was a lot of emotion in both of their faces. And by the way, I just want to say, like George W. Bush, whatever you think of his politics, classy ex president. I mean, I feel like he's been, you know, he's just been relatively quiet, but uh, but classy. Yeah, no, I think I I I would agree one hundred percent with that. Uh, and I think with his relationship with with Obama, I think um, 
I think that's that's certainly the case. But you know, we we had this national tragedy, and there's you know we have a, we have a race problem in this country. Uh, we've made some great progress uh, on race. Uh, again, an African American was elected president and reelected president, but so much of the politics against him. And again, I'm I'm a, I without. I'm not unashamedly a supporter of Barack Obama, but I'm very critical of a number of things he's done. And uh, but nonetheless, I think a lot of the criticism and the negativity towards him is latent and not even that latent racism. So we still have a race problem. Uh, there was a great quote. Uh, I can't remember. There was a police chief right now. I read this, but uh, I actually used it in a sermon last week where he says we have these huge social problems. We are the uh, most armed uh, society in, in Western civilization history, and we throw 25-year-olds out there to be on the front lines to deal with it in terms of police, and then we wonder why there's problems. So we have a gun problem in this country. We have a violence problem in this country, uh, and uh, there's no easy solutions to any of these things. We want there to be a great solution. I mean, I saw the most stupid headline on CNN, which – that's saying something that the most stupid one and uh, that day or you know, that, <laughs> that who will heal America uh, again, the fact that there are, they think there's someone out there. Well, I could tell you neither the two people running for president are going to heal America, but uh, possibly, possibly, <laughs> but it was just, it, I, again, I think um, Trump's Trump's he been healing people. Everywhere I go, everywhere I go people say you're healing me. You're just, well, you know, I have healing. To, yeah, and this week Donald Trump took a play, uh, took a page out of the Richard Dixon playbook from 1968. He is going to be the law and order candidate. Oh my goodness! Well, he's he's got law and order hit under that hair. It's going <laughs> to pop it out. Yeah, you know, it's uh, one of the things that I saw last week. You know, Van Jones and Newt Gingrich did a Facebook live uh recording which you know now you can just sort of right it's like periscope you you know you just stream live and and they talked about race and it was great and newt gingrich said some things about white people just not understanding what it's like to be an african-american and how challenging it is and how van jones calling on cops and african-americans to realize their misers i mean like, here you had two guys different generations different race way different ends of the political spectrum who had a really candid, charitable yeah. uh, conversation about race. I thought it was like, it was a really hopeful moment for me. I know, again, there's not, you know, the, part of the reason it was so moving is because it's so infrequent. Like, well, you know, right. like, you're, right. but, but I just, you know, you could say what you will about New Kingrich, uh, but it was, it was, uh, or Van Jones. I mean, both of them, these are, these both of those guys can be polarizing depending on your politics, but it was really lovely. Now, and 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 again, I do think there have been minds changed, uh, but you have observed that um, part of the anger of this country, a certain segments of this country who have been left behind, um, you know, the age old scapegoating and. Um, and displacing of anger towards those who are closest to you yet in competition to you. And so I think poor white people and minorities, uh, you know, their antagonism towards minorities, that is a classic psychosocial dynamic. And I think the politics of the last 20 years have played to that base. And uh, Beowulf's monster has come to roost in the election of 
2016. Beowulf. That's Grendel, right? Well, yeah, I think we killed one and we've got, you know, we've. we've Do you know there's a remake, there's a Beowulf TV show, and I, I forget what's on, what network, it's on a cable network. I've watched like two episodes. It's pretty good. I've never watched it, but it's. Uh, uh, I would. I'm going to give it a couple stars. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping not to watch it for the next four years. <laughs> <laughs> it's a. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, one of the things Carl uh, Bart said that you know in the 30s, said you know in 1932 or 34. So I try. I had to try to write dogmatics as if nothing had happened. Right. And that was not. He was not saying like that. That you know, I was he was politically indifferent or quiet, but he's like saying, but basically, like the church needs to engage the world with the gospel, but not have the world sort of dictate to the, ter- the terms of the way we imagine it and think yeah. about it. I, I, yeah, it was funny. We we actually joked about this because you know, on social media in different places, what were ministers going to preach about the week after the uh, black men were killed and the and the uh, Dallas police. Uh, Officers were, were were really ambushed and massacred, in, in the line of protecting the peace, and uh, uh, you know, may they may their memory be long honored, and their families uh, just God bless them in their in their sorrow. And uh, I decided that I was going to start preaching through the Elijah cycle in First Kings. I decided that a month ago, and I preached on my first sermon on Elijah. Now it happened to be. The first sermon is when God tells Elijah to go tell Ahab there'll be no rain in the land. And uh, I also had to do a a tragic funeral. I mean, in one level, all funerals are tragic. But uh, a couple that I married less than a year ago, I did the funeral for the husband uh, the same week. And so for me, the judgment of God, uh, the tragedy in Dallas and in Baton Rouge and in, you know, St. Paul and throughout the country, and this very upfront, close personal tragedy of this this uh, family, they all revolve around each other for me. And, and, um, and I think that it, um, you know, someone told me it was the best sermon I preached since I've been at this church, and I can't really tell you what I said, because I don't totally understand. I, I don't understand why God acts. I don't understand why God doesn't act. Uh, and I am constantly not surprised and also amazed at the evil and violence we can do to each other. Yeah. I mean, my friend Sarah Condon, who writes for Mockingbird, has written some really great pieces in light of lots of, you know, hard events that have happened. And I mean, people, our listeners can go read her, you know, Google it, go on Mockingbird's site. But I mean, she had a shooting in Dallas a couple, or Houston a couple weeks ago. And what she told her children was going on, it was in her neighborhood. Like she was, you know, it was the way she was. By the way, Bill, I'm coming up with a list, and she's on it. People, I want to see you drink whiskey with, <laughs> and hear what comes out of you know of, of 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 with the spirits out of your spirits. I think Liel Leibowitz is on the list. Natalie Leibowitz is on it. Sarah Condon is on it. These are people that um, I, I put you in the equal opportunity offenders category. <laughs> <laughs> really, really, you're here. You're you're yeah. So I mean, these are the, the, so now you can. As we, as Bill pointed out last week, we our servers are screwed. We're on Gmail, so you, you, you can write. You can write us. Use our Gmail because our Facebook. We're not sure if that's secured yet. We're not sure if that's secured. Right, that's because uh, we're seeing. I think Hillary Clinton is doing some of her back channel stuff there. Oh, my so goodness. we'll see if that. We'll see if that goes on. But you email me with additions to your list. Maybe there's somebody 
out there. We will have a call-in show on Skype <laughs> and have somebody well, yeah, with a convivial beverage than you, Bill. If you think you're an equal opportunity offender, of the likes of – like, but you have to be of some – Stature in this field. I mean, like, uh, you could be the, I'll put you on the list. All right. Well, that's exciting. That's exciting. Speaking of equal opportunity offender, I, I, I have to say that I do think Ruth Bader Ginsburg was out of line saying about Donald Trump what many of us think. I mean, I, I love, uh, what's uh, the, the uh, guy who's uh, he's at Vanderbilt now? He's on Morning Joe. He used to be editor at Machen, John Machen, oh, yeah. Meacham, John Meacham. John Meacham. I love that. John Meacham. Yeah, he's a, he's a great he's a great historian. But John Meacham said, you know, you have to continue the myth of that the the uh, judicial is above politics. Yeah, and yeah. I think the myth is. I mean, it is a myth. But I think you know. And one part of me wants to say, you know, you're 83 years old, you're sitting on the court. And, uh, you know, you all see that there's, there's an even number, so you can't really do your job. You get a right to say whatever you want to. But I, I do think uh, she was out of bounds there. Uh, now, you know, when Trump says he thinks there might be something wrong with her mentally, I will, I will take her brain uh, half gone over his any day. But I do think this is just not – it's just not helpful. There is a woman that does Saturday Night Live on – does Ruth Bader Ginsburg on Saturday Night Live? And I find, oh gosh, this sketch is so great. And they'd be like, you know, they'll ask her, you know, she's like, I like, and she's like, I like my, uh, she was saying how much she likes Bruno Mars. That's because I like my men like I like my opinions. Short and spicy, you've been Ginsburg. <laughs> That's right. Well, she has a cult following. They call her the notorious. Uh, RBG. Yeah, yeah. And, and was it good friend? She and Scalia had an incredibly warm relationship. I mean, they, I think they were tennis partners. Oh, they were friends. Yeah. yeah. As a matter of fact, Joe Scarborough's speculation is she, she's just missing Scalia. She has <laughs> anyone to have an outlet with. But but, it, is, it is interesting, too, right? Like, I think where you're, like, when you're an intellect, how much, like, you can respect another intellect, even if you just, yes. if you can have a warm, just because you, you respect kind of, there's an aesthetic beauty to like seeing, you know, well-formed thought articulate, yeah. even if you don't agree with that. Like, yeah, no, I know. I love the day, you know, because of everybody's so afraid of being hurt anymore. Uh, safe, and space. Safe, safe space. Safe space. Safe space. Oh my God. By the way, we record in a safe space relatively. Uh, I mean, uh, with the Irish Gmail. <laughs> I mean, we have a safe space. Well, well, yeah, periodically we get unsafe with each other. We get it out, then it's all all right. But uh, no, I, I mean, the thing about lawyers, it used to be theologians used to be this way. You know, you could you could argue, you could disagree, you could call each other names and then go have a drink together. But uh, and I actually think that that's the lack of being able to do that is is one of the, the great uh, intellectual deficiencies of our time. Well, um, we are recording this uh the day before Donald Trump's vice president is to be announced. Phil, well, I'm sp- I'm guessing that you were not under consideration, or if if asked, you would not serve. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not going to be able to come to the convention. By the way, uh, we still haven't gotten anyone to be our uh, Olympics correspondent. Uh, we're equally open. If any of you are going to be in Cleveland, we would love to have you be the new persuasive words correspondent from the Republican 
national convention. Uh, we don't need one here in Philadelphia. It's going to the Democrats. Yeah, are Bill, be, yeah Bill and I don't have. Well, one. we got that. But uh, any of you, Bill, wanna, you, Bill, you've actually been got an invite. I did get. I've gotten to, an invitation to a couple of things. To a couple of events. So which, you, which shows you how low the bar is. Maybe you'll be, actually. Maybe set. you will be a potential running mate, but not for the Donald. Yeah, I think. I mean, uh, you are using Gmail, so I mean, I am you, using you, Gmail. You're, you're, yeah, you could balance out the ticket. No, they call and say we'd like to vet you. I go, oh, don't don't waste yeah, your don't time. Bother. <laughs> don't bother. Don't bother. Just it's don't fine. bother. It's fine. That's that, that will be fine. Just so, uh, does it matter who going who Donald Trump's uh, vice president candidate is going to be? Well, comedically, which is why it matters a lot. I mean, I hope. It, I mean, I so, it. from a comedic perspective, uh, who who would you like to be? Sarah Palin. Part two. If Sarah Palin try again. Uh, can you imagine? I mean, all right, the guy from uh, Indiana, I forget his name. Uh, P- uh, Pence. Pence, yeah. Pence. Governor Pence. Okay. But so let's put him aside. He seems sounds like a nice guy who's actually kind of in trouble in his own state. Like he's not very popular in his own state, but. He's got congressional experience. He's, he's got some experience. experience. Sounds like a nice guy. He appeals to the conservative Christians, but obviously. Trump doesn't need that because they already are voting for him. Christians love me. So do they. The Christians love me. The well-educated, the poorly educated. <laughs> I love the poorly educated. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, can you, I, I mean, uh, Chris Christie and uh, Newt Gingrich are <laughs> on the short list. I, I mean, there is a kind of audacity here. It's just, uh, again, I, there each of them have done their accomplishments. I think Newt Gingrich is a smart guy. Uh, Chris Christie, uh, help me say something. You know, it's funny because one of the guys, reporters, who saw Morning Joe, I think he's a Washington Post political reporter, younger guy. He was on P- PBS, uh, Gwen Eiffel's weekly show, which we, Lindy and I like to watch sometimes on Friday. Was we're eating dinner, and Lindy's like, look at this. It's for adults. No one's shouting. Well, someone asked the question about the other person, and they weren't sure about it. <laughs> like, what is this? This isn't news. This is an adult conversation. But uh, he was saying that they, they brought this up about the new thing, and he was being you know, a very just report. He said, you know, well, I mean, how Trump can it, you know, he's got a lot of energy, up and he finds this big play, and it's a big screen TV, and... You know, he sees dude on Fox lines. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Good, good, interesting. It's possibly, possibly. So it's like, so it's kind of like, he always says, you know, Mike, where do you get your foreign policy? The shows. I, I watch the show, your show, I watch the shows. And it's sort of like, you know, he sees a boy, he watches Fox News, and in between the William Devane commercial about gold. <laughs> you ever see those commercials? And they're, it's like they set up at his house because they do like a different one every week. It's like one's about a golf thing, and you hit a bad golf shot. No, you got to get the woods, and eh, that's why I buy gold because this economy's going into the woods. Or that's like he's at a, he's at the boating booth. I just feel like they just have a camera crew that follows with the van and just these paranoid commercials about the global economic collapse and why you need gold. That and then like Viagra or like the whole. So in between William Devane and the Viagra commercials, Donald Trump is is tuning into the shows, and this is you know he likes what he sees. You know, um, I've lived part of. Um I've lived in New Jersey at various times during Christie's administrations, and he's a, he's been an awful governor. This last, he hasn't done any. I mean, he's been so busy, he neglects the state. He's, he's just, I mean, he rallied during Sandy. He was a good leader there, but I think he's a he's a petty he's a petty guy, and um, and he's he's neglected a state, and he's left the pensions in in horrible shape. So petty, I, but not small. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Okay. 
So in other words, we don't really care who's going to be. What about the Democratic vice president? Do you have any? I have no idea about who that's going to be. And, you know, I, I, I think the vice president selection is basically something that keeps news people interested because statistics again and again show no one votes for the vice president. Yeah, I think like, like I think the only thing it does is like if you're Obama or George W. Bush and you need a little dose of gravitas, so you get someone that's a little older. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like you know, obviously, like that's not Hillary Clinton's problem. She might need to go with someone like younger or, right. or someone that kind of inspires a little more. Right. But you know, I'm thinking. If William Devane ran for president, because he was he played the president. <laughs> he played Kennedy. Yeah, and, he, and he played the president in 24. He played like the Secretary of State once <laughs> he came back and be president. And he was great with Jack Bauer. I mean, he was very inspiring. As So I, I bet you if Devane ran right now, like get him out of his bunker, making the gold commercials, and get him, I bet you he pulls at 20%. There we go. So this may be... Um... Martin Sheen would win the election. Martin, Martin Sheen, <laughs> President Bartlett, right? He would win. It'd be over. He would uh, win the election. I, I bet you that there will be at least a thousand write-ins for President Bartlett. <laughs> President Bartlett, yeah, I might be one of them. I, mean, uh, I didn't think about that, Phil. That's possible. You're in first. I like Bartlett yeah, might be my candidate. Yeah. What about Gary Johnson? There we go. Uh, you know what? There was I. I saw on uh, voters under thirty, he's polling polling better. Than Trump is right now. Oh, uh, you know, he was on Bill Maher on Friday. And I and Bill Maher is not like okay, there are a lot of people that don't like that show. A lot of people like it. I love the show. But Bill Maher can be like a kind of polarizing figure. He's a little cantankerous. But you know, he, he's an honest guy. And you know, he says things like I think, you know, I mean he like he's a guy that's moved kind of left of center, but you know, he chastises liberals for wanting funding for the arts or government. He's like, look, if we want art, we should pay for it. I mean, yes, right. like, he he's he, he's a free thinker. And he asks tough questions. And Gary Johnson, I've seen him on the panel, and I've seen him like this. He was one-on-one one interview. Gary Johnson did great. I mean, just did great and can explain libertarianism in a compelling way. And he left the governor of New Mexico. When he left, his approval rating was like 72%, which is like the barometer, I think. If you're a governor, because like, look at Romney. Oh, right. Romney had one term, and he couldn't run for election because he knew he couldn't get reelected. So he kind of... You know, and right. Well, Pence, Pence's ratings are down. Yeah, I mean down, that's. Yeah. I mean that does not blow up. But if you're a governor of either party and you left with no. seventy over seventy percent approval rate, you did because there's there's a lot of Democrats. You know, in 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 New Mexico. I mean, it's right. not a. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. All right. Bill and I are. We you can write us in. You can write us in. Yeah, uh, we would. I think probably do. Uh, not any worse than the many options in front of us. And again, well, I just want to, I don't want to belabor the point, but we use Gmail. I mean, it's a huge issue on a huge issue. All right. We can pay the, the, some of the vetting we'd struggle with, but on this issue, we're rock solid. All right. Well, we've talked about some pretty heavy things. We should probably save the heaviest for last. Pokemon Go. Explain this to me. Bill, you're, here's the funny thing. Yeah, I think you're going to be surprised. I have no idea. In fact, uh, my, well, again, someone from my whiskey list with Bill Sarakana texted me a joke about it or something, and I didn't know what it was. Well, I heard about it, and so I did, and I didn't know what it was, so I did some research about it. But this is a moment. This is a real moment right now, where something absurd from lowbrow popular Facebook culture that you've scooped me on. 
Well, what, I mean, fifth century is usually your. Yeah, it's usually my. I like that century, and you know, I mean, and I, I like the sixteenth century as well. But um, yeah, it's this, apparently this game you could download the app on your phone, and you're going around looking for Pokemon characters, and they actually, they actually they appear visually on your through the camera on your on your iPhone. They're animated little creatures, and so people have gone all over the round. There's been all kinds of controversies around this uh one person ended up falling into a lake following a pokemon character the holocaust museum in arlington national cemetery had to say please don't play this game here now i i would like to if if any of you know anyone who played pokemon either in arlington national cemetery or the holocaust museum I want you to follow them around going, shame, shame, shame. Or, or maybe it shows that Pokemon's not anti-Semitic. Shame, shame, <laughs> shame. <laughs> anyway, matter of fact, uh, there was a guy, I guess this was on NPR, was saying, uh, who's their tech person. And uh, he said that he was following this character in Central Park. Okay. And he came up and he looked up and he was had his phone focused on a group of women doing yoga and they were doing the reclining cow position and he had his phone on them. So he said, I got out of there as quickly as possible before they called the police on me being perverted. So he said that, uh, it's, I am, I, as soon as we turn the, stop <laughs> I'm downloading this app. I'm totally downloading. Anyway, this app. But it also, uh, uh, we now can have, we could be interacting with little cartoon characters just like used to be only like Michael Jordan or go way back, Gene Kelly dancing with uh, uh, Tom and Jerry. But now you and I can uh, interact with cartoon figures as we go around town. So for those of you who uh, don't want to read a book or think or escape, the Pokemon Go is a, is a new phenomenon that might get you in trouble. I'd like to buy the world of Coke. <laughs> <laughs> keep it company. I mean, what a beautiful, beautiful gift of modern technology. Oh, my goodness. Well, try to be kind to each other. Try to show some tolerance. Pray for those who mourn. and uh, Weep with those who weep. And don't go around looking at people through your iPhone. Or if you do it, do it discreetly.
Just a little sorrow, sorrow. 